One of my favorite movies of all time is Forrest Gump. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that movie, but I just love that movie because it's kind of like the, the, from the era that I was. And I love the music in it, and I love the crazy stories in it. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's about a young boy and his whole life, a young boy named Forrest. And uh, for something was wrong with his legs, he had to have braces put on them. And uh, so he was kind of uh, singled out as a nerd. He was picked on by all his friends. And, and one day, the bullies were chasing him on their bikes. And uh, they were about to get him. And his girlfriend, Jenny, said, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> and so he took off with these braces on his legs, you know, like this. And uh, he ran faster and faster. Pretty soon he was running so fast that the braces broke and they fell off. And then pshh, he ran like a rabbit. You know? <laughs> so, and that's kind of the theme of the whole movie. Uh, it was run, Forrest, run through the whole movie. Matter of fact, he said himself, see if I can do this. Now, nah, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, but I could run like the wind blows from that day on. If I was going somewhere, I was running. <laughs> All right, sound like him. <laughs> So that's the underlying theme of the movie. Run, Forrest, run. And that's kind of our theme today. Run. Now, I have a running story. And I've reached the point in my life where I can honestly say, back in the old days, <laughs> so ready? <laughs> back in the old days, um, we went to this place called middle school. And this is a long, long time ago. And we had this thing called phys ed, physical education, gym class, the dreaded gym class. Now, I it was horrendous. I mean, we had to change our clothes and put on gym clothes. We had to put on really short white shorts, white t-shirts that we had to tuck into our shorts, white socks, white tennis shoes, and this thing called a jock strap. So it was horrible. So uh, we even had to take group showers. Yuck. Okay, but like I said, it was a long time ago. So I have to admit, though, at that time, I was a pretty nerdy kid. And uh, I loved to get straight A's on my report card. You know, you could take sports. I really didn't care. I didn't want to run. I didn't want to play football or softball or anything like that. I wanted to get straight A's on my report card because then I'd get tickets to the Indians ball game, and I'd get 10 bucks from my dad. So, but in eighth grade... In order to get straight A's, I had to get an A in gym class. And so uh, that required two things. Number one, that I had to climb a rope all the way up to the ceiling of the gym, and I also had to run a six-minute mile. What's up with that? <laughs> so um, I was talking to my dad about it, and he kind of gave me a hint. He said, Billy, you got to pace yourself. If you break it down, you have to run each lap in a minute and a half, 90 seconds. And that means you run each quarter in half of that time or 45 seconds and count your paces. So I thought, all right, I'll give it a shot. So I worked at it for a couple months. And I, I ran and I ran and I was like Forrest, okay? Run, Billy, run. <laughs> so I worked at it all semester. I even worked on climbing that silly rope. Uh, but I found that if I was 
concentrating on counting my steps and I would kind of ignore the pain that I was experiencing. Well, lo and behold, the time came for the test. I took it. I was able to climb to the ceiling and touch the top. And then I was able to run a six-minute mile. Actually, it was six minutes and 59 seconds, something like that. You know, but it counted. So um, I got an A in gym class. I got my Indians tickets, and I got 10 bucks from my dad. I won the prize. So today, though, we're going to talk about another kind of a race in some familiar verses in Scripture. So turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And in the Red Pew Bible, in front of you, you'll find that on page 1008. Hebrews chapter 12. Pastor Steve likes to explain that if, if you're not familiar with the Bible, chapters are in the big numbers and the verses are in the little numbers that follow. So Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Follow along. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." So what we're going to do this morning is kind of tear into the scripture, try to find its meaning, and see how it applies to our lives. And I think the main point of the scripture is very simple. Let's run the race that is set before us. Let's run the race that is set before us. Now our time together this morning is going to go something like this. We're going to talk about the main event. And what is that? It's the race. We're going to talk about motivation. What is the encouragement for us to run? We're going to look at taking off the sweats, remove the sweats, taking off everything that's going to slow us down. We're going to look at the prize. What's the finish line? And finally, we're going to look at some coaching, some helpful exhortation. So before we dig in, it might be helpful to get a little bit of background in the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews is one of the most wonderful, rich, and theologically cool books in the Bible. And it's so awesome to read it and to study it. So the first thing we, we have to know is we really don't know who wrote Hebrews. It's, there, his name is not written in it in the beginning or even in the end. So some have suggested that maybe it was Paul or Barnabas or Silas or Apollos or Luke, or Philip, or others, but nobody really knows for sure. We can, however, say confidently that the author is the Holy Spirit, and that this book surely belongs in the canon of Scripture. And furthermore, no one really knows for sure who the specific recipients of this letter were, other than they were a community of Hebrews, of Jews, and most of whom were converts to Christ. But there were probably a number of unbelievers in their midst, as well as the fence-sitters, those who were attracted to the message of Jesus, but who had not yet made a full commitment of faith in Christ. 
So portions of this letter seem to be addressed to all three of these groups. Now, this community of Hebrews seemed to have been facing the possibility of intensified persecution. And consequently, certain of these Hebrews were tempted to forsake any identification with Christ, returning rather to the Levitical style of worship, or even accepting heretical teachings of Christ, such as if he were a created being even lower than angels. So the book of Hebrews, the author, the writer of the letter, addresses all of these issues and more in this book. So with this background, let's take a look at the main event, the race, which we find in the middle of verse 1, where it says, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So let me ask you, does anybody here feel like you're in a race? Or is it just me? (laughs) So I feel like I'm in a race. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. The Holy Spirit uses a lot of metaphors and word pictures in Scripture to bring home a point. For instance, the Christian life is compared to warfare. Put on the whole armor of God. The weapons of our warfare are da-da-da. We battle not against flesh and blood, da-da-da. Paul uses boxing as a comparison. And he says, I box in such a way as not beating the air. He also uses the figure of a race, run in a race, running well, run in vain. So too, the writer of Hebrews uses the metaphor of a race and its various aspects to to represent the faithful life in Christ. But when we look at these metaphors, we kind of need to be careful because sometimes our thoughts and impressions of a, of a metaphor, like race, don't seem to really fit the scriptural context. Or they could even give us the wrong meaning of the verse. And the fault in that lies in our own interpretation of that scripture. It does not lie in the text. So we want to be careful this morning. We're going to be looking at the race. We have a picture in our minds of what the race is. We want to make sure that we try to get the true meaning of race in this section of Scripture. Now, when I think about race, the one that comes to my mind right away is the greatest of all races, and that's the Summer Olympics Marathon. Top runners from around the world all competing for the gold medal. I think in uh, 2016... There were 165 runners who competed in this race. There were the most countries ever represented in the history of the Olympics at the 2016 Olympics. And this man from Kenya had completed the race in, in two hours, eight minutes, and 44 seconds. It's just mind-boggling. As a matter of fact, there were 62 men that completed this race in under two hours and 20 minutes. And here I was complaining about one mile. (laughs) So the race in Hebrews, though, has some familiar themes, but it's different than what we picture in our minds. The race in Hebrews is a spiritual race. It's not a physical race. And the writer pictures a person entering this race the moment he or she receives Jesus Christ as, as Savior and Lord. Now, we've all heard the expression, life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. But I think that really applies here in this scripture. 
If you're in Christ, you are in the race. If you're in Christ, you're in it for the long haul. The starting pistol has been fired. And it was your starting pistol. It went off the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ. Now, one different thing is we don't all start together like in a race at the marathon. We all start at different times when the Holy Spirit calls us. That moment we say yes to Jesus, the moment we receive him as Savior and Lord, the moment when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts to make us a new creation, boom, the starting gun goes off and we're off. Well, another way the race here is different is the race in Hebrews is not a competition. We're not racing against each other for the gold medal. We're not trying to outdo each other in righteousness, in recognition, or in accomplishments. We are not in a race of works. We are in a race of faith. And we don't even compete with each other in our faith. Our competition is against Satan, against his world system, and against our own sinfulness. And we compete by faith. Our strength is not in ourselves. Our strength is in the Holy Spirit. We're not running this race in our own power. We're running it in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. We're going to see shortly that we're not running for recognition or for praise or for adoration or, from, or for some medal. We're running for a different prize. The cloud of witnesses is not praising us or cheering us on. They're praising Jesus Christ, the only one who is worthy of praise. And we'll also see that the finish line is different for each and every one of us. Now, we notice in our verse that the writer of Hebrews is giving an invitation to the readers. And he says, let us run. Let us run. Well, so the next obvious question would be, well, who is us? Who is he talking to? Who is the us? Let us run. Now, it could be that the writer is addressing those Hebrews who have not yet made a full commitment to Christ. Those who are sitting on the fence. Those who are just not all in yet. And perhaps they've made a, a profession of faith, but they've not gone all the way to full salvation. And many of us have heard this kind of excuse before. Oh, Jesus is my Savior. I just haven't made him my Lord yet. Maybe those are the kinds of people he's addressing in this letter. And yet also, he might be addressing those who are Christians already. And they're in the race, they just don't seem like they're in the race. Maybe they're jogging, maybe they're walking, maybe they're sitting down on the racetrack, or maybe they're even just laying down, getting in the way of all the other Christians. And he's calling them to run, run. But like a good coach, instead of yelling and screaming, he's saying, let us run the race that is set before us. Now, the Greek word for race, I hope I say this right, is agon. Close? <laughs> and we get our word agony from it. Agony. Agon. The race is not a cakewalk. It's demanding. Sometimes it's grueling. And it takes everything we've got. That's why he calls us 
to run with endurance. Again, back in the old days, when I was in high school this time, I decided that I didn't want to be a nerd anymore, and I wanted a girlfriend. <laughs> and I thought the, uh, the cheerleaders were kind of cute, so I thought, well, I'll become a jock, and then I'll get a girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh-oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about here. <laughs> so, uh, I joined the football team, and that didn't work out very well, so I, I quit. Uh, I joined the basketball team, but I was so bad that I got cut. And uh, then I joined the track team. Who gets cut from a track team? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so um, I decided that, well, if I, if I got to do this, I'm going to run the 440. That's what we called it back then. The 440 yards, which is 400 meters, right? It was one time around the track, okay? So I figured, how hard could that be? I just got to run one time around it. <laughs> so... Um, but unfortunately, I forgot the strategy that my dad told me, and it turned out that this race was much harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, after, it was a quarter mile all out sprint, and I had this big problem. It was called lack of motivation. <laughs> okay, I did what I had to in practice, but it just seemed like too much work, and my heart really wasn't in it. And I had another problem, even worse than the first. It's called lack of endurance. All right, so the first race day came. We're all lined up on the track. My buddies are there, we're, and the co competition was there, people from the other school. I'm ready to go for it. And oh, the gun goes. We start, we're running off, and it's fast. But I'm looking up, I'm right in the middle of them, you know, going really fast, right around the first turn. I said, okay, I got it, I got it. Around the second turn, okay, I got it. And then halfway around the track, I noticed this sensation right here. You know? And all of a sudden, it got really bad. It's like a cramp. Oh, no, what am I going to do? And pretty soon, it was so bad, I, like, almost stopped running. Three quarters of the way around the track, I'm, like, crying and moaning. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I did make it across the finish line in very last place. I think I looked up, I saw my girlfriend there, okay, <laughs> with a disappointed look on her face. And uh, well, that was it for me for track. I quit. I quit. And by the way, she broke up with me. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's sort of what the, the writer is calling us to, run the race with endurance. And endurance is a steady determination to keep going. It means continuing on even when everything inside you wants to slow down or to quit. Run with endurance. Don't quit. So while we've looked at this race using the analogy of a marathon, I think another analogy could be this. We are in a tough mutter. Anybody here know what that is? <laughs> Dean does. <laughs> so if you really want to know how bad a tough mutter is, talk to Dean. But I had to look it up online. I had to see what this is all about. And so I found out that the tough mutter is an endurance event that you try to run or at least walk through. And it's through a 10 or 12 mile long military style obstacle course. And it was originally designed by British Special Forces to test the mental as well as physical strength of the participants. 
And the, the obstacles that they put in it mess with your mind and they mess with your body. And furthermore, they play on human fears like fire, ice cold water, electric shocks, and heights. So the organizers even encourage teamwork because there are certain events that can't be done unless you have a team member helping you through it. So, and teams usually consist of five to ten people, and it's even co-ed. But the events are untimed. All that matters is that you finish. And it's so tough that only about 78% of those who start finish. Dean has gone on to do Spartans. <laughs> he does even more. But it doesn't sound like much fun. Listen to some of these obstacles. The boa constrictor. And that's where you squeeze through tight places like a pipeline that's half filled with ice cold mud. Mm. The cliffhanger, where you climb up a 40 foot cliff of really wet, slimy mud. That's where you need teamwork. Here's one called electric shock therapy. <laughs> and it's where you get seared by white hot electric live wires. Hmm. And then you have the funky monkey. It's greased monkey bars that go up and then down over an ice cold pond. And it's so tough to hold on to. Then there's the fire walker. That's running through kerosene soaked straw that's lit on fire. <laughs> and then the mud mile crawling through a 30-foot pitch-black mud tunnel that's ice cold. You can't see a thing. And there's more. So, and the question is, why? <laughs> Sound like fun? But really, it sounds like agon. It sounds like agony. And it sounds like the Christian walk. Okay? It sounds like the Christian life that we all run. The Christian life is not an easy life. Nobody warned me of it when I said yes to Jesus. It was like, say this prayer and everything's going to be fine. Okay? So, but we all have our trials and tribulations. We all have our struggles and troubles. And we deal with these day in and day out. But we have to be honest. Here in America, we have it so much easier compared to our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Those who live, for instance, in China, or North Korea, or Iran and Iraq, around the world, here in America, we are not persecuted like they are. We are not jailed. We're not whipped. We're not flogged. We don't have to choose between forsaking Christ and staying alive or dying. We don't have our heads removed. And to these believers... This Christian race must really seem more like the Tough Mudder instead of a marathon. But the fact is, we are all called to endure. Even those who have it easy here in America, our call is to endure the race. Listen to what Paul said he had to endure. He says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, 
danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. But through all this, Paul endured. And that's why he could say, and we read it earlier, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And like Paul, we too, those who are in Christ, will endure to the end by God's grace. Now there are things that are going to help us endure this agon, this agony, that will give us the motivation and the encouragement to run this race. Now, we've, as we've alluded to previously, the first source of our motivation to run the race is, or at least it should be, the Holy Spirit, God himself, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit dwells within believers. He helps our weaknesses. He strengthens us, teaches us, guides us, comforts us, gives us wisdom, and he will never leave us or forsake us. The second source of motivation is the Word of God. As we would train our bodies to run a race or to compete like Dean in the Tough Mudder, we would train our souls in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, We are encouraged to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of Truth. Joshua 1, 8 and 9 tells us, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Motivation. A third source of motivation and encouragement is knowing that believers have gone on before us and they have endured the race by faith. Hebrews 12.1 starts out with this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that first word that we read, therefore, connects everything that we're looking at here to everything that's written before it in chapter 11. And we all know that chapter 11 is that faith hall of fame. So one of the greatest motivations and encouragements to the unbelieving Jews who were receiving this letter, as well as to the Christians who were receiving this letter, and as well as us, would be these great believers in the past. These were their heroes, those who lived the life of faith. The cloud of witnesses are all those faithful saints just written about in chapter 11. And we are to run the race just like they did, always trusting, never giving up, no matter what obstacles or hardships or cost. They knew how to run the race of faith. Chapter 11, verses 33 to 38, tells us this. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, 
quench the, po the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And now the writer of Hebrews is telling us, let us run like they did. It can be done if you run as they did in faith. I like what MacArthur says regarding this cloud of witnesses. He says, and I quote, I do not believe that the cloud of witnesses surrounding us is standing in the galleries of heaven watching as we perform. The idea here is not that they are disappointed or that we should try to impress them like a sports team trying to impress the fans in the bleachers. These are the witnesses to God, not of us. They are examples, not onlookers. They have proved by their testimony, their witness, that the life of faith is the only life to live. The same God who was their God is our God. The God of yesterday is the God of today and the God of tomorrow. He can do the same things through us as he did through them if we only trust him. Now, another thing that the writer encourages us to do is to take off everything that encumbers us. Remove the sweats. He says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily, so closely. Now, if we were to run a race, before it started, we would probably do our stretches. Stretch out those hamstrings, right, Dean? <laughs> uh, we'd probably do some uh, wind sprints to get the the blood flowing in our muscles. We'd probably have our, our warm-ups on, our jacket, our warm-up pants, maybe a hat and gloves, okay? But before the race actually starts, we would take off the hat, take off the gloves, take off the sweatpants and the sweatshirt, take off anything that would weigh us down from performing well in this race. We'd want to wear the lightest running gear possible, the shortest shorts, and maybe even go without a shirt, okay? Anything to give us the slightest advantage to win. Well, likewise, the writer was telling these Hebrews to lay aside everything, anything that would encumber their Christian race. As described in the earlier chapters of Hebrews, this could refer to old Jewish traditions, Jewish legalism, the law, the do's and the don'ts, the temple, and the sacrifices. These Jewish believers could not possibly run the Christian race with all this extra baggage. And so it is for us. How can we effectively run the race if we're weighed down with legalism or with old church tradition? Traditions that drag us down like a ball and chain. So we need to be set free from these, these things so that we can run unencumbered and we need to lay them aside. 
an even more significant, uh, even more significant hindrance to running this Christian race is sin. Even though believers in Jesus Christ are forgiven and our sin is washed away, the truth of the matter is we still sin. Sin clings to us. It sticks to us. It wraps its ugly tentacles around our legs and entangles us so that we trip and fall every time we try to do something for the Lord. Sin is a real threat, and we have to deal with it every day. And that's why the writer commands us to throw it off, to lay it aside. And if we don't, we won't endure. If we don't, we can't endure. So far, we've discussed this main event, the race. We've looked at running with endurance. We've considered being encouraged by looking at the faithful who have gone on before us. We've seen how we need to remove everything that weighs us down, especially sin. But what's really going to motivate us to run the Christian race, what will really keep us going, enduring to the end, is focusing on the prize, the finish line. And that's where the writer tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When you're running a race, where you look with your eyes is really, really important. You can't look at your feet. You can't focus on the spectators. You can't turn around to see who's coming up behind you. You've got to keep your eyes peeled on the finish line. And if you can't see the finish line, probably the most important thing to do is to keep your mind's eye on it. To keep your mind's eye focused on the end, the finish line, the prize, the most important thing that makes running this race and all the work that it took to get there worthwhile. Maybe it's a gold medal. Maybe it's a crown. Maybe it's just the, being the best in the world. Maybe it's the prestige and the fame. By concentrating on the prize, it helps you to press on. So what's the prize for us? Is it a crown? Is it fortune and fame? Is it praise from other people? Is it the reward in heaven? What is it that we focus on that makes running this Christian race worth it? I'd say it's none of those things. As the writer tells us, the prize is Jesus. Looking to Jesus. Now, we Christians already have Jesus. We got him, all of him, when we received him as Lord and Savior. He is ours. But when we come to the end of our race, when we cross our finish line, we will see our Jesus face to face. Our prize is Christ. Our prize is hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I think that's the finish line. That wonderful, glorious prize when we shed this body of flesh and we put on immortality. When the corruptible puts on incorruption. When we shed this body of flesh and we put on immortality when we are glorified to be like Christ, 
That is our finish line. That's our prize. What a day that will be. And the finish line is different for every believer until the day when the Lord comes for his church. And what a wonderful, glorious day that will be. But until then, we don't know when we come to our finish line, the end of the race for us. Just the same way as we probably didn't predict the beginning of our race. Who would have thought that I would have got saved? It was just the last thing on my mind. So I didn't predict the beginning of my race. And I don't know when it's going to be done. But there is one who knows. Who knows our beginning and our end. The founder and the perfecter of our faith. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the sovereign almighty God in heaven who wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world. He knew us before we were even ever born. He created us. He called us. He saved us. And he set before us the race that we are called to run. And he is perfected. He perfected us from the cross when he said, it is finished. He paid the price in full. He has made us holy and righteous in his sight by giving us his righteousness and holiness. By giving us his perfection. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And by the power of the Spirit, he has enabled us even to run. He has given us his word to direct us. He has given us the church to edify us. He has given us fellow believers to encourage us. And finally, he has decreed an appointed time for each one of us when we will finish our race and receive our prize. Jesus Christ face to face. The prize is Christ who went before us, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ had his own race that was set before him by the Father. He began his race at Bethlehem, and he crossed the finish line, his finish line, at Calvary. Despising the shame, Jesus ran his race willingly, joyfully, perfectly, and he did it for you, he did it for me, and he did it for everyone who would ever believe in him, it was the only way. 
the joy that was set before him was the knowledge that his blood would pay the price for the souls of everyone who would believe in him, that they would be saved from eternal hell, and that he would be exalted on high. To him, that race would be worth it all. We are his prize. And now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So consider him. Think of him. Meditate on him. Worship him who loved you so much that he was willing to die in your place, who willingly took our shame, our hostility, our sin, so that we might be born again and live eternally with him. So are you in the race or are, are you in the outside? Are you sitting on the fence? Why? Consider Jesus who loves you so much Come on, get in the race. Confess your sin. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of faith. And Christian, are you running the race? Or are you just loitering? Come on, run. Do everything you can for the glory and the honor of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Serve him mightily. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. He loves you so much. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, all to you we owe. We owe you our lives, we owe you our service, we owe you our worship, we owe you our praise, we owe you our thanksgiving, we owe you everything that is in our lives, for you bought us with the price of your precious blood. Lord Jesus, help us in this Christian race. Help us to endure the trials and the tribulations, the struggles and the troubles. Help us to hang on, to never quit, to always keep our eyes focused on you, the prize, the finish line. Help us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Teach us by your word. Strengthen us with your word. Heal us with your word. Sustain us with your word.
Lord, oh, that we may serve you. Oh, that we may bring, bring glory and honor to your name all the days of our life until that day we reach the finish line. And then we get to see you face to face. And Lord, what a day that will be. We ask these things in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen.